All right. No, you never push my buttons. Oh, wait, no, yes, you do. I hate you so much. Especially your but, button. But you never, ever <laughs> ring his bell. Joke. You can never, ever ring his bell. You never you ring, ring my, my bell. Ring my bell. Ring my bell. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly, where we never ring anyone's bells. That's oh. the best intro we've ever done. I don't give a shit what anybody God, that's, that's That's a sad state of affairs right there. That's, that's what that true. is. This just popped in my head. Um, <laughs> that's, that's called an aneurysm. You need well, a you, 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 you help, Is it going to bleed out the, the eyeballs, or is that just in the movies? <laughs> oh, it depends on where it is, I think. You held up the piss, and it made me think. Did you all ever have a Capri Sun as a kid? Yeah. Only, only like if I went to somebody's birthday party. Did, have they, now, have you had one recently? Yes, they're awful. Do they My not kids. taste like? Do they not taste like the piss of somebody who just drank a whole bottle of Boone's Farm? Uh, well, okay. Chad, first of all, that that's very like. specific. It's very specific. I had a Second horrible. Of all, they're not. Is, I remember them being really sweet, and they're not now. Is they, it, well, no, and that's the thing. Down sugar piss. Well, that's <laughs> you thinking? I want to know how you get urine. Anyway, I drink it. I drink it, and every James, time I think my diabetes is up. <laughs> James, anyway, that's now, not I, mine. That's it's urine. <laughs> um, anyway, no, I but there's set them up and knock them down. There's different types now of the Capri Sun because my kids we get the kids roaring waters, and that is a watered down one because I don't want them to get that much sugar. Have you ever they get, that, they get that syrup up in them and I can't control the Kool Aid jammer ones that are rip off are worse? Yes, someone left them. Well. God bless them. Body was being real sweet. Brought them to my kid's birthday party, I think, last year. They were here almost a whole year. He wouldn't drink them. Did you leave them fermenting in the sun? Because you can make good prison wine. No, you make it. You make that Merlot in the turtle. <laughs> turtle. So maybe shiver be shiv, Joe. Shiver yeah, well, shiv. of course, it's prison. <laughs> so maybe we can look at 2021 as hopefully a better year than the past 20 uh, than the past. And on top of that, they'll they'll work on the flavor of pouch drinks too. I do have you brought that up. There are two things. One, Ron Cobb, who was a great artist and designer, died in the last few days, and no one has talked about him. Now Ron uh, that's Cobb, depressing. I just, I mean, I mean, Blade Runner, Alien, Alien. I just, Ron Cobb was a genius. He's an artist. And if you don't know who he is, go Google him. He's one of the best interviews. If, you, if you're a huge Alien fan like I am about the making of Alien, check out Ron Cobb. I swear I didn't mean to make this serious. No, Second, no, no. I was, I was going to say, there's a few people that I follow on Twitter, not people that we've had on the show yet, though I'm trying. Right. Yeah. But a couple of them were mentored by him, and one of them wrote, and I won't say the name, but wrote a very lovely, you know, you couldn't work with him and not learn. It didn't matter where you were in your career because he'd be like, well, what you can do. So it was, it was a very lovely if thing. If you so, think yes. the Nostromo was beautiful and how everything works, that's all Ron Cobb. He was, he was originally going to do the Alien as well. Problem is, is his Alien – Everything else he did was brilliant, and then they they was like, oh yeah, we could do this, but we could also get this dark fantasy genius Geeger. So they made the right choice. But Ron Cobb's gone. And not I to be seen confused. A lot about it, and he was a genius. Not to be confused with Roger L. Geeger, who no, is not, not the same. Second he's, thing, he's a good historian. Good historian. I, I want to ask I did a review for the Babysitter and the Babysitter Killer Queen or whatever. You guys ever seen these movies? I saw, I, I saw I've never seen them till recently. Well, the babysitter I enjoyed. It's it's not great. And then I did the history no, of it. And the reason fun. why I enjoyed it is because of the writing and, and Samara 
uh, what's uh, Weaving's in Weaving. it. I, I now think Samara Weaving's one of the best working actresses today. She's fantastic. She is. And she makes the movie, and the screenplay makes the movie, even though there's some decisions in there are stupid. So they're both directed by Mick G, and I reviewed them for Scarefest. So I made this joke, and I, it's Scarefest is playing while we're recording this. And I no one ever edits me or <laughs> says anything. I said this is Mick G's funniest film since we are Marshall. Yeah, you know you made that same is that joke too to soon? Us earlier this week. Yes, but is it too soon? No. No. Okay. No, I mean, it's not like you... No, I don't remember making it, but I believe that's, that's true. I no, you did. I was going to say, you've already done we that. Are Marshall. So, I, I, you, you've, you've seen it, James? Did you like The Babysitter? I watched The Babysitter. Now, here's the it's thing about It's an hour the and 20 minutes. The problem with the sequel is it's about an hour and 40. The Babysitter, I watched The Babysitter, and I can tell you the first 45 minutes of that movie, the build-up, the setup, all that stuff, but I actually don't remember how it ended. But I remember, I was like, oh, that was fun. Like, I don't it, need to know anything. It, it's not a movie that's going to change, at least in my experience, your view of filmmaking. No. But is it, a, is it a good distraction? I thought so. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get off. But Ron Cobb's what I should have just stuck with, stuck with my landing. If you don't know who he is, go out and Google him and learn about him. He's a genius. Or at least yeah, now, why don't really we talk guy. about the topic of the show, gentlemen? You started it out with your damn Our cancellation. <laughs> Our cancellation. It finally happened. Even though nobody pays us to do this, they've canceled us anyway. What would be cancellation? Less SoundCloud saying, viewers? SoundCloud saying, nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody will take my money, David. Somebody oh, will yeah. take my money. Yeah. All right. So the top. Well, SoundCloud will go, you know what? You know what, guys? We're good. We're good. <laughs> I feel bad for you. Joe Lewis, take this $50 Actually, a month back, son. You know, you know what cancellation would be? What? If somebody called all of us up and said, listen, guys, uh, we will pay you $1,000 a month not to do this show. 1000 a piece? Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy, I could use $1,000 a month. That's what I was about to say. I mean, if it's our – Hell so, no, so, it'd just be 1000 flat. We split that three ways and still be <laughs> fine. We're done. Three ways, that'd be $276 a piece. That's right. Don't correct him. That's right, Joe. That is all that would be. That's all. Dude, That's, you know what I could do? With, I man, I've never seen $276. Not all together here. i tell you what, because because Chad and I are so kind, we'll round up and make sure your share is 280 Yeah. We, we're good friends, Joe. Thank good you, friends. boys. Thank you. Good friends. All good right. Friends. So, Chad, what is the topic? So, James, uh, I got a bit. Uh, James has come up with two topics that I actually enjoy doing the research on. Most of these are most but of these are But we're not doing either. But they're not doing either one of those. <laughs> most of these are a pain on my soul to put together. But James uh, has came up with yet another one that I actually enjoy doing: sympathetic villains. Yeah, because the villains are fun. Villains are all... always the most fun, and they're and also I, I... when, when they're the most human. Yeah. they're that much more fun and that's what a sympathetic villain is it's somebody where you can go like yeah it's terrible that he's terrible or she's terrible but i understand melodrama only works if you have a great villain and to me there's only two ways to do a great villain either really horrible likable charismatic or they have a reason that you understand why they're doing it you make them right. relatable there's the only two ways what do you guys think that sounds about yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, sorry, things... I've been going through. It was one of those things where I've been going through my head all day of well, what it. I was like, well, Darth Vader. Well, let's remove all the other shit. Then he's just, he's just 
slimy and evil if you just know him from Star Wars and Empire, right? Before you get to know a lot of that. And then you find out it's his dad. It's like, oh, this bastard. He's horrible. And that's another thing, too. He came, uh, Darth Vader came up on a lot of lists for sympathetic villain, and I do not sympathize with I don't with sympathize with Anakin. I don't say, and a lot of times it was Anakin, which yeah. I'm, I'm almost going to call two different characters. I don't sympathize with Anakin either. No, he was the chosen one. He was the chosen <laughs> He had a bad childhood. Suck it up. A lot of us did. Life's hard by him. By the way. not the point. By the way, speaking of which, and I just want to say this, so a sympathetic villain is, again, a villain that you can understand, you can sympathize with. They're very right. human. And, and uh, Ben Bova, a notable author, uh, if anybody's ever read any Ben Bova, but he actually, uh, when he gave training to aspiring writers, his go-to comment was always... Chad, I'm sorry, is, doing, is reenacting a scene from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Is this a fat country motherfucker? He's sitting there. If you're listening to this, he's got he has his microphone off with his hat off, just swinging hey. in the air like he just doesn't give a darn. Uh, there is a Jeff Goldblum is flying around my area and is driving me nuts. Oh my joke, ether. No, I said it's, that joke. Look at the tape. It's the ether. You taping. I said Jeff Goldblum, and then you started talking about the post joke. I Either. did that on an episode listen, way back. Listen. I don't remember any of these. <laughs> I don't even listen anymore, and I remember making that joke. I don't even – I don't remember any of this shit. By the way, if you're watching this, again, if you're watching this, let me let me emphasize this. Um, there is no fly, actually. <laughs> Joe says either. Chad says ether. <laughs> uh, anyway – um anyway who's gonna go first are you i was go. trying to do the the so ben bova actually says if you were trying to write a villain yes. don't write the villain nobody he says there's no villains in writing you shouldn't write villains you should just write somebody that disagrees and then they innately slowly become a villain as you determine who your hero is because he says there is in the real world he says there's no villain nobody is sitting right now in a basement somewhere going i'll destroy them all for no reason I agree with this. I've said this at work when it becomes when it talks about politics. As much as I even get pissed, I always try to tell myself, and I've told this to colleagues and other people: there are no villains. Most of these people think what they're doing is the right thing, mm-hmm. and we should probably remember that when it comes to our political friends and neighbors. Come another month or two, they're most of these people think they're doing the right thing. They are. They do, and they think they're doing the right thing, but they's dumb. They's dumb as hell. They's dumb as hell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All anyway, right. I, James, um, why don't you go first? So, yes, go tell me why. I almost said Kronos. Keep going. Uh, no, I, I think the uh, – not – what? I, I was trying know. to remember the villain. <laughs> I forgot Thanos. I was trying to say Thanos. And was kept he's not a sympathetic villain at all. No, I don't think, think actually. I think he's sympathetic. I, I disagree. But I didn't want to put him on the list because I thought he was too obvious. Um, disagree entirely. Yep. How do you disagree yeah, entirely? Because if you have the infinity stones, you can reshape reality. It would be easier to just make food more plentiful. It would I don't be think they easier. do that. I don't think they have the power to do that. No, they totally do. You can reshape all of reality. Yes. So I, I don't think he wanted to kill people. That is what he wanted to do. And if you go by the comics, I never movies. read the comics. I know. He really wanted to court death. 
Yeah, he wanted to get it on with Deb. The literal hot. embodiment <laughs> of Deb. Guys, you aren't you aren't making me dislike him. More. <laughs> you're making yes. your like yes. More. Thanos was the original goth chick, which is why Joe wants him. You're that. I'm not really into beefy guys. Your interest in necrophilia aside, Joe, he is not a. You want to go ahead and do the, the joke? It's a dead issue. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to actually start with my favorite uh, sympathetic villain of all time, and it comes from a book, but it's been made into a movie. I like to do books. I know we're supposed to be pop culture. Oh, James, but it, one of mine is a movie. Oh, good. Well, I, I just want to say. All three of mine are movies. Shocker. Uh, <laughs> read a fucking book. I know. I'm just it's saying. It's over there on the to, shelf. <laughs> That cat got in that hat, and he had a tie. That's not true, but now I learned to eat foods that are different colors. I learned <laughs> something. Fuck you, James. Oh, uh, Anyway, uh, it's actually one of my all-time favorite novels. It may be my favorite novel, um, and, and I just want to go with uh, – I'm going to start with Raskolnikov from Crime and Punishment. Uh, if you've never read Crime and Punishment or seen any of the film adaptations – Or if you're any of our listeners who haven't, probably, go ahead. I don't underestimate our listeners. We have literate listeners. Right anyway, now, um, he's making fun of you all if you're just listening. Keep going. No, I don't know. I don't know, but I think. No, I most of think. them are vapors. Get it? Lit? Oh, Lord. Anyway, uh, Raskolnikov uh, kills somebody with an axe. Um, and he's the protagonist, but he is a villain. I mean, it starts with him, and it's it's he's he's very poor and his sister has had to has been brutally abused by men and all of this stuff and he literally is so ocd and it, you can actually rewalk his steps because dostoevsky wrote in this way where he walks when it talks about it in the novel you can and it's count he counts up the paces and you can actually go and do it, it, it it's very accurate how it's set up but he basically kills this old pawnbroker and she's a terrible woman and she's taking advantage of everybody justification why is he sympathetic then because his i I sort of like darth vader except not darth vader at least had power raskolnikov has nothing he's a student he doesn't have enough money to live he doesn't have anything and this pawnbroker is taking advantage of everybody and and what's funny is when raskolnikov raskolnikov kills her he doesn't think i'll have her money and then i'll be able to do stuff he thinks about all the good that he can do but then his conscience starts to eat away at him so he hides the money and then by the end of the novel, Crime and Punishment, he eventually basically agrees to go to Siberia to face for his crimes. There's all these other side characters, but he's a very interesting character because some people argue, well, he is absolutely a villain. But yes, Chad. In Russia, axe chops you. Thank you, Chad. Now we're getting sued by, uh, oh, shoot, I forgot his name. You're getting sued by Branson, Missouri. That's true. Um, so a lot keep, of people. I don't want to keep wanting to say Nikolai Volchek, but that's a wrestler, <laughs> not. Jack off Jack off Um, so there's, there's uh, he to me he's a very sympathetic villain because he's a murderer and he because he eventually realizes that what he's done he crossed the line that no matter what good he wanted to do wasn't enough and he eventually takes the punishment for it. But the fact that he is literally so trapped by social class, by everything else, to me, he's very sympathetic. 
Uh, and so some people love to say that, you know, they hate his philosophy because in the beginning he thinks, well, if I do good with it, it makes up for the crime. But you grow to love him. He, he, he is an abominable murderer, but you learn to love him as a murderer, even as he himself realizes he has become an increasingly terrible person and finally takes ownership of it and agrees to go to Siberia. So he, there's a lot of sympathy for that particular devil. So I wanted to say, let's start literary, old school, Raskolnikov, and there's several adaptations of Crime and Punishment. None overly great, sorry. Uh, I'd love to see somebody do a full adaptation, but it would be a very long movie. So anyway, that's my first pick. It's the one that I love the most. All right. Next. Joe, go ahead. Why don't you go ahead? I said you go ahead. All Draw right. Motherfuckers. Why don't you shove off? Why are you all so fucking aggressive? Jesus, you tell them that Kronos was sympathetic and they don't really, <laughs> all they start quoting the damn comic book. No, listen. James is on Mountain Dew. I'm pissed off about Capri Sun. It's been a let day. Me, let, me, let me go ahead and make this worse. And let me make Chad angry at me too. Listen, Thanos ain't no Steppenwolf. <laughs> <laughs> no magic carpet rides at all. <laughs> Oh, all right. Mine's a twofer and as nowhere near as serious as James's. But I truly do feel for these two people. They're 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 both school administrators and they're both in 80s films and they're both in John Hughes films. I feel oh. bad. I think that Paul Gleason's Richard Vernon from The Breakfast Club. And I wanted to make sure Ed Rooney, Jeffrey Jones's character from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, are sympathetic villains now that I'm 42 years old. So you stole that from, so nice to know you're stealing from Gilbert Gottfried. Go ahead. I don't know what you're talking about, but I'll keep rolling. Gilbert Gottfried had, uh, uh, for those Gilbert Gottfried's podcast, they had Matthew Broderick on. Oh, okay. he laid into Matthew Broderick about how bad, how Ferris Bueller's not a hero, how it's all chef, the, the principal I, Rooney. I, <laughs> and I, I agree. I kind of agree with that. So these two assholes, these poor, I mean, probably decently not really paid administrators with higher degrees are having to chain check around or chase around these 16, 17 year old assholes in the case of Jeffrey Jones's character and the principal Rooney and Ferris Bueller's day off. This piece of shit is out in, in the Chicago. He's out. Uh, by the way, you couldn't do all that in, in one day. I, I'm just, I'm calling bullshit on that. You just couldn't do it all in one day. Well, yeah. He's running out of school. Wait, Joe. He's, he's running a scam. His sister ought to cut his balls off. Yes, what? You're telling me movies aren't always accurate? No, but <laughs> I didn't feel this way up until the last few years because now I've gotten old and cantankerous and I'm a dad, and I want him to get off my lawn. Nobody's now that on your lawn. Nobody's on, yeah. They nobody's could on be. You don't know. You guys don't know. You're still. No. No, because while I'm distracting you, I paid some guys to come over and burn you. And they told me nobody's there and that we ain't going to prison. <laughs> anyway, I, 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 I truly think that they're just assholes. Especially in The Breakfast Club, which is actually my favorite John Hughes film, that Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And it speaks to me still, and I still love the movie, but I, I truly do understand the administrators now more than ever. Yeah, I mean, they're just trying to – this is a school of children. They are trying to make sure they're getting an education, 
And these assholes are making it rough on them. I agree with you. And they, they, because it's, because it's high school, they have to act in loco parentis. I can do the legal analysis. Of this. Please they don't. They have to protect I their I just children. wanted to start with something lighthearted and, 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 and dear to me. But Thank you, know, you all. But you know, you know, another thing too, and I never, I always felt like this, not necessarily with Ferris Bueller, that came later on, but Breakfast Club, I never viewed the principal as a villain because yeah, he, he threatens Judd, uh, whatever his character's name is, I forgot. Um, I'm blanking. You know, he threatens him, but then, you know, he has Ender. the conversation with the janitor about. And no, but you're not remembering, right? Because the janitor shits all over it. I know he does. And the, the principal's like, well, okay. But, you know, it's, he's not a villain. He's just trying to teach these kids something. I never felt he was a villain yeah, at all. Do you think, do you think that he is, he, he is Loki? No, because if you go, well, no, if you go to the comic book, the janitor or the principal, the principal, because if you go to the comic book, Avengers was originally formed because of Loki. And later on, Loki actually is kind of revealed that Loki did that intentionally because he knew eventually Earth would need that team. Loki is arguably a sympathetic villain in his own right. Yeah. So, I mean, if you go by the comic book logic, isn't the principal the one that brought them all together? Well, I don't actually, I, I don't know if Rooney is the principal in that. I don't know if Paul Gleason's Richard Vernon is the principal in this. I, do they talk about him being the principal? I, I don't thought he is the principal. Did. I need to Google that. I don't know that he is. I've got you for your natural born life. I mean, you know, anyway, but yeah, no, I, he's the principal. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, doesn't matter. Wait, are you Feel telling free to me tweet that- us and tell us. What, are you telling me that you forgot the, the who the principal was? So even though you were told not to forget about me, you forgot about the principal? Don't you? Yeah, I, we're all fans of Simple Minds. Go, Chad. All right. You so, sure are fans of Simple Minds. So uh, this show. show. <laughs> I do want to point out that I had it on an original list, and I scrapped it because I thought about it more, and I'm, I came up with three others that I thought were way better than my originals. But uh, this first one is one of those that is originated in comic books, movies, animation. Uh, And, you know, after I came up with my list, I looked online and, you know, the sympathetic list, uh, Thanos comes up, did come up on a couple and so did Magneto. I don't agree with any of them being sympathetic at all. Sorry for throwing your list. Not even Magneto. Uh, Because again, he had a choice. He made it. Um, my next one, my actual ultimate sympathetic villain in terms of comic book villains, uh, Mr. Freeze. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, by the way, it's hard I, to do it when he's got bunny slippers on. <laughs> which, and by the way, now Mr. Freeze being a, a sympathetic character, which, by the way, why isn't it Dr. Freeze? He has a doctorate. I know. Why isn't it Dr. Freeze? That's, that's, that's enough right there to be sympathetic for him. Nobody's using his title. Holy a lot Jesus. Of time. <laughs> Would you please get off your 10-year high horse and go home with your point? I, I ain't 10 no. yet. But no, oh, depending yeah, you're on... not? I would have called you Mr. Doctor. <laughs> anyway, depending on the version you're looking at with Mr. Freeze, he either became a villain either through a horrible lab accident or someone else's complete lack of human compassion. Uh, th- in any form, he's still working on a cure for a disease that is slowly killing his wife. Um, but didn't that start with Batman the Animated Series? Like, if you go Silver Oh, Age, no, no, no. Pro, uh, Pre-Batman the Animated Series, 
Mr. Mr. Freeze was just another icy ice guy gimmick. There was nothing. Yeah, I was about to say he was just he was just a a a, a, a like you said a tech guy. It was like yeah, oh I got ice beams. He was just another he was just another icicle, another killer frost. He was just another ice guy, except Batman's ice guy. But the Batman the animated series changed all that. Um, anyway, uh, the accident that created him left him confined to a suit that keeps his body temperature at absolute zero. And he's unable to feel basic human emotions, except for the love of his wife. Uh, the accident left him a damaged person, his body eventually. And if you go by the animated series, if you go look at Batman Sub-Zero, which was the animated movie that followed one of the later animated films, his body actually deteriorates and he's left a disembodied head um, attached to a robot body. And in that movie, his wife comes out of her coma and is horrified at what her husband has become and can never, can never love him again. And he ends up just going away. Um, so Mr. Freeze in, is the ultimate sympathetic villain in, in comic books to me anyway, because he, especially after Batman, it, this is after Batman, the animated series, just you, you've got to feel for the guy. That well, and I was going to say, and if, if you do the video game, the, the Arkham thing, he eventually ends up working they realize how sympathetic he is and Wayne tech actually tries to fund research to help him help his wife. It doesn't end well. Well, yeah. And if you go by, uh, I hate to even mention it, but Batman and Robin, he is actually the one who cures the dying Alfred. Yeah. And then gets his, then gets his, uh, just desserts on poison ivy. God, that movie's terrible. But so James, it has bunny slippers. It does have bunny slippers and a lot of great ice puns. Chill. Mm. <laughs> I always thought Arkham looked cool in that movie when I first saw it. That was the only thing I could defend on it. I thought Arkham looked cool. Yeah, Arkham looked really cool. But I, you yeah. know, I haven't seen Batman and Robin. I don't think since I saw it in theaters. I probably haven't either. But I remember thinking that looks good. I have. I, it does not hold up, gentlemen. So all I remember was holy rusted metal Batman, and I was like, mm, "No, we're good." James, that that's a Batman uh, return. Oh, I'm sorry. Forever. You're right, it is Batman Forever. I, n- I haven't seen either of them since I saw them in theaters. Sorry. What's sorry, your second sorry. pick, James? Oh, me? Yeah, oh, you it's you. Oh, I, I th- I'm sorry. I thought it was. I thought we went to Joe. I thought, okay, yeah, uh, Magneto. Because you just said it. I, when I was doing this list, I was sitting there, and I was like, I got to think of Sympathetic Villains. Silas came over, my son, and said, hey, what are you doing? And I was like, I think about Sympathetic Villains. And he was like, you mean people that we should feel sorry for that are villains? I said, yeah. And he literally just goes, well, you got to have Magneto on the list. Uh, yeah, like, that's really? the reason I was kind of shocked that Chad didn't say that, where he said he made a choice. But at the same time, and I obviously don't, I'm not entrenched yeah, or I, as much as you all are. We all make choices, right? Still, I mean, he's still I mean, going for his people. Well, and I think that's, and, and when you look at the, the origin of him, you know, the and, and at some point they're going to have to retcon this because it's getting too far in the past. But being a german jew and the is that his original origin in you know? comic yeah okay i didn't know the, the, the animated the animated series wouldn't let them show nazis that's why he doesn't he's not it, it shows yeah. some weird foreign country i've never and, watched the animated series i just know it and, from the movie that's the reason i was asking if that's actual james origin. not to but sorry and james not to to take away from you but we almost had a captain america animated series because of the success of x-men and spider-man 
but they had to cancel it because Fox would not allow them to use Nazis. They only they save those for the news. Yeah. Fox Ooh. News. Anyway, uh, there goes four subscribers. Ah, uh, doubt. Anyway, uh, we Magneto. Up a couple this week, anyway. Uh, Magneto was a German Jew. His family's confined to Auschwitz, uh, and he, and that's when his mutant powers manifest. But much like it is shown in the movie with Ian McKellen. Um, it's too late. They've already been taken away by the time his powers actually manifest. Yeah. Um, he escapes the camp. He tries to start a new life. He wants better. He still isn't soured on humanity yet at this point, though I think most people would have been. I mean, mm -hmm. I only said it historically, and it makes me angry. He tries. He gets married. He has a daughter. An angry mob sees him using his power, and they kill his daughter. And he that's when he basically snapped because he has given humanity a second chance and a, a mob years later after he's tried kills his daughter and that's when he realizes people will always hate and the only way to make people not hate is to stop people and his wife you know leaves him because she witnesses him being vengeful and he snaps because he's like how can you not be how can you watch you watched our daughter die and you didn't care yeah. and 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 we I, I, obviously we're not supposed to go well he's absolutely right but i can understand i can sympathize he has tried to turn over a new leaf and i, I, I was reading up on it and they actually said that magneto's an interesting character because he's much usually when you when you're doing comic books especially when you're doing these superhero archetypes your hero is more interesting they have an origin and they actually argue magneto's origin and background and why he feels the way he is is, has always been much better fleshed out and logical than Professor Xavier. Professor Xavier yeah. kind of has a, well, I just want everybody to get along, but that that's kind of naive. And, and so a lot of people even argue, how can Xavier know what Magneto has went through and not understand why Magneto is the way he is? Like that's a, that's a naive element of Professor Xavier and some people say, well, he never really, you know, he tries to rehabilitate him, but he doesn't, Professor Xavier does nothing to address these issues that, that Magneto is still trying to address. He's trying to stop these behaviors. Now, is he doing it with extremes? Absolutely. Is he basically almost as guilty as the people that persecuted him? Absolutely. He's a villain, but he is sympathetic because we can understand why that ticked in the direction it went. I was just shocked, quite frankly, that my eight-year-old screamed, well, you got to have Magneto on there. No, I, like I, said, I, don't I can wrong. see that. I can see that. But the reason why he stopped being sympathetic to me in terms of his character is if you were going to completely, you know, worry about the this destruction of mankind because of their complete and total hatred, because let's, let's admit it, we have a shit ton of it. It's, but he loses sympathy for me because not only does he turn on mankind, he turns on mutant kind too. If you do not follow my path, I will destroy you in any way I can without any conversation. That's why I was like, he's no worse than the enemy that created him. That's why I had no, a hard no, time I sympathizing. Mean, he is, but I think that he does do things at least sometime to try to give people sanctuary. Like he had Avalon and Asteroid M and all of yeah. that stuff to give people safe haven if they would take it. And, and I agree. He is a villain. There's not a doubt because he does. If you do go against him, 
is problematic. That being said, he is to me a, a little bit sympathetic. Joe, this is where you go. Uh, no, I'm no. I was just making sure he wasn't going. <laughs> I have another twofer, and one of mine is. Well, I guess they're both comic books. They're originally based in comic books, but I don't know how much the actual movies have anything to do with the damn comic book, though. They're both directed by Guillermo del Toro, and both characters are played by Luke Goss. Can you guys guess what I'm going to do? Highlander. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do Nomac from Blade Two. Do you guys remember Blade Two? Hmm. You remember the secondary yeah. villain uh, at Nomak that plays the vampire? What is the? Does anybody remember the vamp, the king vampire's name? I was looking. I was like, I don't even remember which one it was. It ain't Dracula because they saved that for that third movie. <laughs> oh God, what a horrible movie! He's accidentally transformed him to one of these things where the and he just wants vengeance and he hates vampires almost, if not more, than Blade. I think he's very sympathetic, but he's not as sympathetic as the other character he plays as Prince Nuado in Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. And once again, he it's about, there's a theme for these sympathetic villains. And so we talked about it right then with Magneto. They're just trying to help their own kind. Mm -hmm. And humanity seems to be what's destroying their own kind, Right. The powerful elven prince Nuado has been on retrieving fragments of a crown that commands the indestructible golden army, an omnipotent legion of clockwork warriors that can destroy all humans. Now before his, this new menace, all hope rests on Hellboy and Liz's older brothers in arms, as well as the ectoplasmic being Johann Krauss, who was voiced by, does anybody remember? That's McFarland. All right. There's a great scene where this huge creature becomes from a plant, right? And he takes on just destruction in New York. And I don't have the quote in front of me. But at the end of it, they destroy it. Yeah. And he looks at it. Prince Nuon looks at it and goes, it was one of its kind. It will never live again. But he, And that's why he loses sympathy. Because he put that thing on Hellboy to get destroyed. So I don't know that he put it on him to get destroyed. He put it on him to destroy Hellboy who's trying to destroy in his eyes all these fantastical creatures that are being pushed more and more and more but, out of the world because of humanity. But the thing is, too, though, humanity and I understand that, that cancer that keeps these from all these fantastical beings being able to roam freely through off the earth. Yeah, and I understand that, but at the same time, it's the one of its kind. He knew that there was a chance it was going to get destroyed, and it got destroyed. Yeah, but my counter argument to be with that was that we have heroes who send people off to their deaths to fight a war all the time. Yeah, but I wouldn't. I mean, well, how many people did Hellboy <laughs> tie with Hellboy in two movies? Let's not talk about that other one. Yeah, uh, fight uh, off things that are going to die, creatures. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know that. I see your point, but I don't know that it makes him less sympathetic. No, no. Because once I think, again, this is all about, to me, the most, and my third one's going to be a little bit of this too, is that they have a belief, once again, villains, yeah. where they just make choices. These choices are different. And that's what James was talking about. That's where your story goes. These are villains who are trying to protect, if not a flawed moral center, which we all can agree on, yeah. but they're people, they're kind. And he's right. Humanity is the worst thing for these creatures. 
Well, and, and, and it, you may, you talking about it that way made me think of somebody, if I'm still from somebody's list, because I almost put it in my mind, but I decided not to. It's kind of in a you similar almost put vein. You on, on your list? No, 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 no. It's kind of the, uh, the, the same argument for characters like Roy Batty. Yeah. From Blade yeah. Runner. Oh, my God. Did you not put Roy Batty on your list? No. I left him off because I figured you were going to use him. No, and I, I came close, but I was like, somebody else do Roy Batty. But Roy Batty is the same way, except different. He's upset because he is made finite. Whereas these people that haven't seen what he's seen, which haven't seen, and which will never know his reality, the same way with the prince, they they don't care. They don't. Yeah, and I think Roy G. Batty is the textbook sympathetic villain, in my opinion. So. I mean, he's no Skolnikov, who was actually a textbook. I read you dumb bitch. Back well, to, it's true. Back to my quote. I was looking through the other quotes, but I actually like this quote better from Prince Nuandu. We die, and the world will be poor for it. I agree with Yeah, that that is one of the best lines. Yeah, and I agree with you that he is a sympathetic villain. It's just sometimes... It's just like I agree with Magneto being a sympathetic villain. It's just some of the some of his actions... In terms of his character, he's willing kind of, to sacrifice his sister, Chad, to save. He killed his father to save the rest of this. I want to call it Magic Earth. I know it's not called that, but there's all these fantastical beings, and he's willing to do that. Yeah. And you could say, oh, he's a monster, or is he willing to sacrifice himself and his family so For that, that we can the world would be slightly more interesting? You got a point. I can't argue. I mean, yeah. I agree. He's a monster for killing his dad and then wanting to sacrifice his sister and throw it. I agree with all of what that cute you little, said. In, but if in you that look cute, at it pretty, from his viewpoint, he's willing to give it all away for that. In that cute walking salad. <laughs> Killed him dead. <laughs> anyway, I, I just, I was, that was one that I, 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 I saw because I really started with Blade 2 and then I thought, hey, I'm going to throw him in both because he, he Luke Goss is a good actor. And he does a really good job with both characters. And as much as I think Nomak is a sympathetic villain, I love it. And plus he has that great opening of the movie, right? Where he looks up the camera and it's in, it's in vampires or whatever. Vampires. Yeah. I hate vampires. By the way, Nomak in Blade 2 is, a, is, the, is an... I, wouldn't, I didn't even think about him. He is a sympathetic villain. Cause, he's very sympathetic. He's not the lead villain. No. The lead villain, of course, is the vampires, and and and, and Blade's got the great line. Are, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to try to fuck us. <laughs> it was Wesley Snipes that was actually allowed to smile in Del Toro's version and have a little bit of fun. It's actually the only Blade movie that I enjoy is Blade Two. I think I need to go back and rewatch Blade. I think I've may have shit on it too much over the years, and it could just be my distaste for Stephen Dorff, who <laughs> Phil Malone assures me it's a nice man. Oh, I mean, there's scenes in Blade that I love when I saw it in theaters. Like I mean, the, yeah, the, the opening with the blood. Yeah. I mean, with the, the blood, blood rain. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. cool. But yeah. anyway, I'm done. Who's next? Okay, so my next my next character is from movies. Um, and honestly, I, the reason he's sympathetic is because he is a victim of mental instability and societal standards. The narrator from Fight Club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fair. Narrator slash Tyler Durden, same character. So every day Is he, he becomes villain? Yeah, he's a villain. He I mean he's everything though. He's the villain and the protagonist. 
Exactly. That's so is Raskolnikov. I agree with Chad. I'll give Chad this one. Yeah, yeah. Every day he becomes uh, he it every day becomes so unbearable that he's unable to sleep and goes to support groups just to feel basic human emotions, which he's unable of feeling. Uh, not being able to handle all this stress, he creates an alternate persona that only that not only hurts him himself but others as well. I mean, poor Meatloaf gets his head blown off. <laughs> he he beats the crap. He beats uh, Jared Leto so un, so horribly that he is disfigured for life. I don't remember Jared Leto being in that movie. I have to go back and rewatch. Jared Leto is the one that he pounds into the pavement because he he wants to destroy. It's been a beautiful. long time. You know, I saw it in the theater when it came out, but I and I, I own it. I need to I'm go. But I hope that's Jared Leto. Somebody look me up because I told I myself it was Jared Leto. Jared Leto being in that movie. You keep going, Buttercup. James. Yeah, look it up. I'm going. Um, I'm on. But, but he uh, beyond his control. He and and at the end of the movie, beyond his control, he ends up crippled, badly disfigured. And possibly responsible for the the collapse of society as we know it. Yep, Jared Leto is in Fight Club. Thank you. He plays Angel Face. Angel, yep. When Edward Norton beats him into a bloody pulp and he spits out his teeth and says, I want to destroy something beautiful. The narrator, excuse me. So, yeah, no, I just feel like the narrator, regardless of what you think of that movie, he's he is a villain. He's just unaware that he is the villain. Well, I, I I always defend that movie because I think it has. Who do you a defend weird... that movie to? Whoever. Well, no, says, I think it has. No, no, I defend it. I think it has a weird heart to it because, as Chad pointed out, they are so tragically flawed. Every character in that movie is messed up. They are damaged. But I think it's there's something about the movie when literally you see the world around them start to fall and they hold hands, and I'm like, it has a weird heart to it. I g- completely agree. And yeah, that and it's you know it's, it's sitting there there's you there's met me no, at a very weird time in my life there's no it's a way great line as the world ends around yeah me. and there there's a slim chance that he's actually going to survive with he has a bun a gunshot wound into his throat and out his face you, you know but so he he just blew up a bunch of buildings he's a villain but well, he has my trying to get rid of debt yeah he's trying to get rid of debt <laughs> I kind of understand. I kind of understand. I got suit loans. I understand. <laughs> and now, now, 20 years later, it doesn't even make, it probably really didn't even make sense at the time, considering that none of it's there. It's all on the cloud. Have, right. I was going to say, well, have you all, uh, have you all read the original book? Yes. No. Because the original book. Oddly I, enough, I, it's the only book I've ever read by him. Well, I was about to say, because I think it may be his best. And I know other people are huge fans of his and I'll uh, send hate mail. My name's Chad. Remember. Uh, but uh, the uh, Cochran. <laughs> yeah, I uh, no, I I uh, I picked up a book. I think it's called Ghost by him, and it's it's the interlapping stories and all that stuff. But I think the issue is is all of his books are about really damaged characters, and none of the like. If I read the book and there's nobody to root for, like it's interesting. But there's oh, you nobody. Mean the original Fight Club. Not Fight Club. No, no, no. The bo- other books that he's written, Ghosts. Yeah, they're all about. Yeah. And it's it's uh, basically the plot to it. It's an interesting plot. These failed writers all, and they all have something wrong with them. They all have tragic backstories, but they all want to be writers. And this old man lures them to a place saying, listen, I will make you have a great book. And it kind of, going with something we did for Glenn Cochran, speaking of which, it has kind of a martyr's vibe to it. He gets him in this place, and then he cuts off the heat. 
he does all and he was like you'll be able to write the great works because you're going to suffer and you go back and and they actually start to buy into this so they start to see how they can make themselves suffer even more it's really weird how do you say chuck's last name palinuk palinuk i I don't know off the top of my head i can never but I, I just wanted to bring that up because I, I think Fight Club, the, it, it may be the only movie that could be adapted very, very directly into a film. It is very, well, the movie is very much the book. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think you could do that with Ghost or some of his other works. That's, that's an interesting story. He was actually on, uh, you've read Choke though, right, Chad? I don't remember anything about it, but yes, I've read it. Okay. But he was on uh, Joe Rogan talking about him workshopping. And he's a very normal person to just be interviewed by. Mm-hmm. And is talking about working with other authors and, and workshopping and how he can't do it. <laughs> because if you see the shit he writes, imagine if he's workshopping something. He just ended up offending two or three people in the group. I, was saying, I, I, I called it ghost, by the way. It's haunted. I'm sorry. I used to term think haunted. I, you're telling me that story, and I'm like, that's where he got the idea for the novel, I bet. Yeah, I mean... And, and of course, it, it covers sexual deviance and, yeah. and all bad things and existentialism and identity and all. Again, I'm not sad that I read it and I would say, yeah, I read it. But you're, if you're thinking, oh, it's going to turn a corner and you're going to find a sympathetic character, don't waste your time. Yep. All right. Who's next? James. Um, James just, oh, I thought James just went. No, I said the narrator. Oh. You know, I'm gonna go with one that I'm I'm gonna go with one that actually um, was a great great character, and we found out more about why he's sympathetic, and then everything just went downhill as this movie franchise went on. I'm gonna go with John Kramer, also known as Jigsaw from the Saw series. The uh, Haley loves you now. Oh, no, yeah. no, the movies. Of course, she doesn't listen. Those first, first three movies are good. And that's the why I said three. We, we find out why he's sympathetic as things have gone downhill. That's what I was saying. I mean, but the, first, the first movie, three. the first movie is phenomenal, but he's not sympathetic in the first movie much at all. A little maybe, but as throughout the franchise, if you don't remember, or if you're like me and to be honest, I don't remember the last two movies probably. I don't but, even think I ever saw the Jigsaw movie. Uh, no, I haven't. That's I know I haven't seen it. But Jigsaw is John Kramer, and he, as you learn his backstory throughout the franchise, he's really a decent guy. He's a loving husband. He finds out he's going to be a father, and then his wife is, they say mugged, but basically she's leaving the clinic that she works at, and this guy comes in to get drugs and stuff, and he slams the door into her, causes her to have a miscarriage, and he you know he's upset about that then they go through a messy divorce because he can't get over the fact that he was robbed of his family and then then he gets diagnosed with cancer and he he uh, on top of that um his nephew gets killed in a motorcycle accident so all these people that he could go to for support are stripped away from him he's denied health insurance because they start doing this idea of oh it's you, it, you weren't covered for cancer is pre-existing blah 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 so he's turned down by the medical system he tries to kill himself because he's like well at least that's a way out and he can't he doesn't die and so he just becomes obsessed with well listen i'm being denied everything and these people that have everything don't appreciate it 
So I'm going to make them appreciate what they have. Again, the franchise goes downhill quick. But as far as villains go, especially villains in horror films, we can understand, I think, at least, my mind can wrap around why he is like he is. Don't agree with it, but I can understand if I was somebody and you took away my chance at a family, you took away my child, you know, the system. He's against the system, but the system lets people not appreciate life. So he's going to attack the people because the system has beaten him. It's taken away his health care. It's taken away his health. It's taken away his access. It's taken away everything. And so he's going, he can't take down the system. The system's beat him. So he's going to take down the people that don't realize how good they have it that are part of that system. It makes him a pretty sympathetic character in my eyes. Again, not saying what he does is right, but I can understand how he ends up being the monster that he is. There you go. All right. Well, mine, my last one is kind of a horror film and I actually thought James might go with this. There was, there was a couple that I thought about doing and I thought, well, I'll stay away from Vincent Price because Vincent Price had the great line, James. I love this line. I've never played a villain. I've played men besieged by fate. Besieged by fate. I love it. Love it. Love it. I love every time I hear it. And I like making James just say it. I like him making him say that. And, uh, and the rebel yell, I cried more. Cried more, 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 more. more. <laughs> I was actually going to just do my cliche, spit on me and call me scum. But this one is a little different. It's from director Robin Hardy. And if you went some summer to Summer Isle, James. <laughs> oh, Lord. What? No, it's a good thought, one. I'm going to summer here at Summer Isle. <laughs> well, it's in the name, Joe. I know. And I didn't go to Winter Isle. I mean, and by the way, by God, it has Britt Eklund in the movie, and she's just, she's just smoking hot. And you're like, I'm just going to hang out here for a while. I'm a detective. And I want to walk around and meet some people and I'm looking for a missing person or whatnot. But, and you think these people sure are nice. They sure are sweet. Everybody's a little odd. I can't believe you're doing this. <laughs> they're quaint. They're quaint they're folks. Quaint. They're quaint. I, I, no way anything bad can happen in that summer here. <laughs> and you meet the guy that's called Summer All. And then, then you meet the big baddie. He's played by Christopher Lee. And his name's Lord Summerisle, right? Which is, I mean, it writes itself, folks. Obviously, he's been there for a while. Surely, he's helping all these people stay as nice as they are. <laughs> if you haven't, if you haven't seen, if you haven't seen The Wicker Man, please go out and watch it. The original. You're, you're the original, not the Nicolas Cage one that we talked about in our Nick's Cage episode. Here's why I think Lord Summerall, and I think James, you said you said that's a good pick, and I think you know where I'm going with this. From his point of view, which is what this show is about, right? Okay. Because James, what's the great quote? You killing me or burning me isn't going to help. What's the quote, James? It's not, uh, not going to. Your crops aren't going to be better. You're not. Um, but they will. But I mean, they will. They I assure will. you, they will. Lord Summerisle is doing exactly what is right by his people and how he has been raised and yeah. what he is here to do. They are pagans, and this will continuously make this place safe, paradise, better, safe, yeah. yes. better. I think Lord Summerisle, I'm glad that I finally got one that seems that everybody was like, oh, there's a different one. Lord Summerisle. 
And I, honest to God, I almost went Roy Batty, and I was like, nah, James will take that. Maybe I can just sneak this in the win, and maybe James won't use it. Because I thought maybe you might steal this one away from me. But I think he can be sympathetic. These people truly believe this. And by the way, if you look through their history and, you're, and you, you go through the movie, there's no reason to say that they're wrong. Right. No. no it's, well, I think that's now, the thing. Now, it is murder, but the needs of the many, James, outweigh the needs of the few or the one. Or the one. So let me ask you this. Yeah. If he's, if he's sympathetic – is the well? I don't know what you want to call them. Uh, commune from Midsummer, sympathetic. Less so in the sense of, you know what? Somewhat in the fact that those assholes should have never went. They should have never went. They should have never went, and then they could have. I don't know if they could have left, but I mean, there's a lot of signs from the jump in the first 24 hours. I love Midsummer, by the way. That got. Midsummer and Hereditary, and that that director. I'm sorry, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Ari a, Lister. Ari Lister is a yep. true voice in filmmaking. It's a true voice. He doesn't yeah. cut. That's what he does because everything that's trained me from horror films. Oh, there's going to be a cut. They're going to cut it. Oh no, they did not no, cut. No, it. there's not. No. A cut. I I think it's less so, Jan, uh, Chad. To answer your question, because I believe a lot of what they're doing is tradition. And I, I don't know that they nest. It doesn't really play up that if they don't do this, the crops are going to burn and all this other the stuff. Necessity right? seems the to necessity seems to be isn't somewhat. the same. It's more of, this is what we do every year. Point isn't taken. It? I, I'm no, I'm, I'm asking, I'm asking. I'm, I thought, I'm it, well, I thought it, I, I honestly, I got to remember. I got to go back and watch. I haven't already watched it. Was I thought Midsummer about, in the theater with Chris. Well, what, I thought it was something to do with, they had to sacrifice them for the sake of the land. I don't remember so their religious it beliefs, be. but I could be wrong. I, you know, he, they do, he bumps you know up against happens. the wicker man a lot in that movie, but he, 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 he does that line through it. And I think that's one of the differences is it seems to be more of a tradition rather than if they don't do this in Summer Isle, then, the, then they're not going to be. Is it every year in Wicker Man? I actually don't remember. James, do you See, remember? I don't remember either. I Hold on. Think one of you talk while we, while uh, we Well, what this. I was going to say, do you know what happens if they don't do the sacrifice, though? It's a big deal. You know what happens to the land? What? Land goes sour. Sour. It goes sour, Joe. <laughs> that land's sour. Uh, you know, Devin sour. <laughs> yeah. Devin sour. Is we'll he live on that land if you don't hey, kill hey, comes and Hey, comes and shits on our yards. Devin sour. <laughs> if you don't stop Devin sour, he'll, he'll get idle hands. <laughs> Ooh. If you don't stop, it. if you don't stop Devin sour, your yard will be its final destination. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> he won't. Oh my God, Jeffrey Reddick's from 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 uh, damn Jackson, Kentucky, and still won't do the show. Anyway, so and we've met. We have a mutual friend. I, anyway, back to what I well, was. Well, we got Todd Farmer, and he's worth three Jeffrey Reddicks. There now, Jeffrey uh, Reddicks. Well, and Todd Farmer's episode is coming out this. Well, it doesn't matter, but I hope you enjoy Todd Farmer because we had a blast with him. He will oh, be back I on would talk head, to, Actually, yes, yeah, I could. Yeah. So back to what I was saying. Is it a little bit of a stretch? Yes, but if I started to think about where his viewpoint is, what he's trying to do, once again, it's always for their people, right? We yeah. start putting ourselves in clans. If it's Magneto, if it's him, we start putting ourselves in these clans of, well, I've got to help my people rather than I've got to help everyone. And by the way, 
it's a good point you made about Professor X. Can we help everyone? No, no. Is that no, too mean, Pollyanna? Probably. Sorry. That's mine. No, uh, All right. So my final pick, I saved the best for last. <laughs> you got Roy Batty? It's nope. Devin Sawa. <laughs> no, I don't think any of you are going to see this coming. Uh, most villains have ulterior motives. Is it the marble? Yeah, for their horrible deeds, no. <laughs> Is it Candyman? I'm just going to keep saying Red and Woods. Some examples, world domination, human suffering, money, etc. Uh, my last pick soul motivation for his acts is the basic instinct that we all have the need to eat. Oh, I was going to say line dancing. None other than Wiley E. Coyote. <laughs> he is he a villain? <laughs> sympathetic. He's a He's villain. A yes. All he wants to do is kill the Roadrunner and Bugs Bunny. He's extremely sympathetic. I never think of him, though, as a villain. Well, that's how sympathetic he is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Take this I'm not arguing with you. I, I prefer him over the Roadrunner any day of the week. Put it in any other context. You have a character that wants to eat the other character, and he's a villain. I'm going to give this one to Chad. I think Chad's right. He's a I'm very not arguing character. with it, but you put it in Ravidus and put some silly music behind it. It's Actually, you don't <laughs> want is, him to think about it just as funny. Yeah. That is, I would say Ravidus is fun. So let's talk about why he, we've sort of talked about already, but Wiley hasn't utterly tortured by the likes of Bugs Bunny and, and Roadrunner. He just needs to eat. And these people and these two characters constantly torture him. Um, not only is he constantly being defeated by the likes of them, he is also being destroyed financially by the sinister Acme company and their malfunctioning equipment. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Now, part of that is operator error. And the other second argument I have the first argument is operator error. And the second argument I have is in the amount of money that he has spent with Acme, do they not have some sort of, where, where is the Uber? Where is the Uber eats? Where, where, why can we not? What if? Well, no, th this is another point I was going to think. Look, watch the cartoons. He is in the desert. There is no other living creature around other than the coyote. Except for the Acme delivery people. And the Acme delivery people. Why does <laughs> he eat one of them? You can't kill the Agme delivery people because then but your next surely they, they can pick up something at Good Foods and bring it to him. They bring it <laughs> to James every week. Your James hasn't left his hole. No, I can't. I I can't. But you're forgetting something, Joe. What? You're not you're not being culturally appropriate and culturally sensitive. You don't know his food allergies. Maybe he can't have gluten. Maybe he can't have flour. Maybe he's allergic to corn. Maybe the Eat only chicken. thing he can eat. The There's no chickens in the desert. Chicken. There's no chickens. But There's they've no... got them at the Whole Foods, and if he goes through Amazon or Acme, and I know or, they didn't or, exist then, but if or, they're in that, I have a hard time thinking they can't. They can't. Flip side, Joe. Maybe, Tuna maybe cans. you're not thinking about it. Maybe, maybe while he's counting, maybe you, maybe you're sitting there thinking, why doesn't his family help him? Maybe for all you know, Uber Eats killed his family, and now he doesn't want to give him his money. Did you think about that, Joe? How Uber no, because ran I down. shit on him and his family and his whole damn clan. Oh, <laughs> poor Wiley. He's a super genius. Listen, he's a super I'm, genius who I, just can't get anything to eat. He and just he, can't get anything to eat. He is, he, is the, he is the pure definition of a sympathetic villain. <laughs> I swear to God, I still don't. I know what James is saying, but I don't. I, is he a villain? He's a I villain. Guess, he's the bad Elmer guy. Is Elmer Fudd the villain, too? Yes, Elmer, yes, Elmer Fudd's a villain. A villain.
Hmm. But Elmer Fudd doesn't isn't sympathetic because he is just hunting for sport. He yeah. just wants to kill something. It depends on the cartoon. Sometimes that fucker just moves into Elmer Fudd's house. That's true. That's true. That's home invasion. And in those cases, you're right. Bugs Bunny is the villain. Yeah. But now in the ducks. episode where he sings along to kill the wabbit, yes, Elmer Fudd's that villain. And trying to st- and shoving a spear down a rabbit hole, villain. Yeah. Wiley e. Coyote doesn't do anything that 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 Neanderthal. He Plus, just, you're, you're you, right, you, Chad. You the Neanderthal. More, yeah, the more you talk about up. it, the more you talk about it, Chad. I th- I think you're right because we also know that Wiley e. Coyote is a phenomenal painter, but we never talk about his art. He's no. a phenomenal painter. Why doesn't he leave the desert and, like the great Sam Kinison once said, move to where the food is? He left the desert. There's a rabbit who tortures his existence. Flip side of that, Joe, how many people do we know that won't leave certain areas when they could leave that area and live a better life? And I have stopped talking or at least trying to get them to move. But no, you but- still watch Looney Tunes. Actually, I was I was looking over. I have one of the Silver Age or whatever the box that I don't have all of them. James, you have all of them. I have three of them. I, I do. Have... You have all of them. I was looking mm-hmm. at it one the other day. I was like, I want to put that on, but the kid probably will just get bored. Instead That's because you're. Hold on, let me let me be overly Queen cri- Town thing tonight. Let me be overly critical then. That's because you're racing him wrong. That probably. If you gave if you gave him the back of the hand every time he critiqued Bugs probably. Bunny. That's how my I dad mean, I raised. I normally agree with you, but if you've seen the obsession with the, the Ghostbusters, I mean, it's. it's I, it, I'm just got saying a little bit of it right, a little too right, actually. That's that's the. Uh, I mean, that's how my dad raised me. And sure, if you set off a firecracker, I cry for days. But still, look how well I turned out. He was uh, at home. He was at my dad's the other day and heard his first gunshot. He was not prepared for that. But go ahead. <laughs> Is it your neighbors to it that we're going to shoot each other dance? <laughs> I forgot to tell you all about it. Oh, it's their you grandchildren now a... live over there, but they weren't back and forth. It was just because of her rednecks and went outside to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> he oh, didn't what, miss, though. He what? stopped. It was slightly funny and slightly, oh, he didn't know what that is. Oh, what larks. So do we have some honorable mentions? I've got so I've got a few that I thought might bring up an interesting I, conversation. I have. I, I've got to give one more. And I'm going to go into more detail than an honorable mention, but I've only got this one because I want to get it out other than the devil, because the devil can be sympathetic and, and, you know, but that being said, the honorable mention I have to give also came from my son. It was, I was one I was considering, but he was like, no, no, this was the second one my son gave me. Krennic from Rogue One. Orson Krennic. Who is sympathetic other than, well, he's, you know, he's the epitome hold of on. management. Well, yeah. and hold on. Let me, the again, you, you've got to know the full story of Krennic. And let me, this is just for Joe. See, Joe, if you were a real fan and read the fiction, read the novel, <laughs> um, you would know this backstory. Orson Krennic came from the Outer Rim. He came from poverty. And they wanted him. He gets recruited and given a special place. By, at, by the age of 15, he's recruited into the Republic's future program. And he's sent to Brent Hall. And he befriends an older student there by the name of Galen Urso. He realizes Galen Urso, though, is immensely talented, but also backwards and shy. And so he starts trying to get Urso to show his talents. He takes Urso to social events, tries to get him exposure. And Krennic gets well-known because they very quickly realize that Krennic has, he's a phenomenal architecture student. 
he's talking about how they can build all this stuff and they start to do that well his counselors pick him out because not only is he a phenomenal student with architecture and basic mechanics but he also can get people to do almost anything he wants he's he's very convincing and so they pick him out and they accelerate him he gets to go directly into the republic corps of engineers and he uses his the 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 prestige that he gets to drag along his less social friend urso and get him a job in applied sciences because he wants what's best for urso and he thinks this guy's brilliant too he he's just not good at showing it now obviously if you go by rogue one as joe said he's middle management which i think is sympathetic in its own right but you know <laughs> what ends up middle management <laughs> well, but you you know what happens to i mean Krennic is the one that brought, so if you go by the, the expanded universe, that, which is canon under Disney, this is the approved canon now, Krennic is the one that discovered Urso, he brought him along with him, he tried to mentor him, he tried to do all this stuff, even though he was the younger one, and it's almost like a, an of mice and men relationship, in some ways, obviously not exactly, but Urso was kind of like Lenny, he was socially awkward, he was all this stuff. And you have critics saying, no, I'm going to bring you along. Now, the issue is, is that once the Republic crumbles and it becomes the Empire, Krennic still views that organization that brought him from the Outer Rims and gave him a place and accelerated. Nobody else was offering him acceleration. Nobody else was offering him opportunity. So he buys into the Empire. Matter of fact, Ben Mendelsohn, who played, uh, played uh, Orson Krennic, said this about him, the way he approached the character. Critic believes in the Empire very thoroughly. He sees it as a way of maintaining order and that the Empire is essentially correct in what it does, largely because they chose him. But he is someone from the outer colonies, a guy who has had to work his way up. He's not officer class, but he's gotten to where he is because he's so driven and he doesn't want to lose it. And so if you go by that expanded universe story and the way the actor played him, he becomes very sympathetic. Mm. He has fought his way from the outer rim. He's recognized for his talent. He's put in charge of this program. He finally gets it to work. He proved that he's not wrong. He brought this other guy along to work with him. And then what happens? Tarkin comes in and goes, I'll do the presentation. I own it now. This still going. And what is it? But he, and he turns to Darth Vader. And what does Darth Vader do? By the way, you know what the original script called for? What? He was going to survive. They were going to actually bring him off the planet with the sole purpose that Darth Vader was going to come back and kill him for failing the Empire, which would have made him that much more sympathetic since he fought so hard to preserve the Empire. Mm -hmm. But I think he's sympathetic because, again, he is supporting the only people that gave him a chance. He's nobody. He's yeah. nobody from the Outer Rims. He is, in some ways, a flip of Luke Skywalker coming from Tatooine middle of nowhere all of a sudden you're somebody and he just wants to preserve what made him somebody that's a little bit sympathetic to me. all right chad okay so i'm just gonna go through my list uh and then you know we can bring up discussion if we want to so the the, the throwaway jason Voorhees. he was actually the first one i came up with when i was the, developing the list but then i was like eh it and it depends on which movie it oh yeah i'll get so bum puzzling confused. yeah i saw you that think, uh, tweet the other day about these kids who just keep torturing him and doing a movie from his version of it. Do you think uh, um, the mother is sympathetic? Because I read something where yes. she made a couple lists. Yes, the mother's sympathetic. Absolutely. Yes. 
Yeah. She's, she lost her son. Yeah. Well, and if you, there, there was a comic book that was written by, I don't know if it was written by what's his name or not, but um, there's a comic book origin that's a prequel about her and how one of the reasons that they think um, Jason was born the way he was born or deformed was because uh, her spouse beat her and she killed him. That was actually the first victim, according to the comic oh. book prequel. Mm. So there you go. I just wanted to bring that up because there so, you go. So the xenomorphs. I actually had that down and then stopped because the reason why is I have to go by the first two movies. And the reason being is because if you go through the four, so there's a great throwaway line, Chad, it's not a throwaway line that Ridley says is you don't see them fucking each other over for profit, right? In alien. And then in alien resurrection is one of the things that really bothers me about alien resurrection because it always stuck with me. And this is how big of an alien fan I am is that when they get out of the cages in Alien Resurrection, where they've been, they kill one to be able to do that. And it always just bothered me, because I was like, I don't know that aliens should do that. I don't think aliens should attack other aliens. Does that make sense? So that I, makes sense. I, I, I think the first two movies, yes. Yeah, because I, I mean, the, and that's the whole thing, is because we, didn't, we came to them. Yes. We're on their land. This is what they do. Yes. They're not villains. Another one, surviving. Another one like that is the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. Yeah. I saw that on a list, and I thought it was Collider's list, by the way. And oh, okay. It's like, and it's their last one. I was like, yeah, that's that that dead on. They're sympathetic villains. Yeah, yeah, I agree with it that. It has to be brought in here. Um, a twofer, Hades from Hercules and Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty. Maleficent, I agree with you. That's and Hades is the same way. He didn't ask to be in that role. They put him there. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's Fighting. the same that- it's the same reason some people argue that Satan is a sympathetic villain because if we called Satan George Washington, we view that differently, right? But it's still somebody because a lot of people said that, you know, the King of England was appointed by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Washington went against that. So yeah. there's some people that make those those distinctions get really interesting. So I just want to say that, yeah. but you're right. And, I agree and, with Hayes. Yeah, and Maleficent was she just wasn't invited yep i'm not and i'm not going by the angelina jolie two films no this was a this was a fairy a dark fairy granite but she wasn't invited and her feelings are hurt Mm -hmm. you know hey being left 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 the outcast yep this this one was actually uh jason Voorhees was number one and then number two was the one i'm getting ready to mention and i almost brought him up just for the sheer fact that i think he's a bit controversial colonel nathan r jessup (laughs) <laughs> the, a few the, good men a few good men I, I, the other one would be the rock oh ed harris's character in the rock ed harris yeah, yeah this yeah yeah uh but you know actually i completely he, agree with nate i actually if i'd have thought of that one it didn't occur to me if i'd have thought with that one i actually might have replaced one of mine with that but he ordered a code red but he's literally in an area where these soldiers have to be hardened yep and somebody died from it marine and he's a marine these are marines that they're this is what they're in for and there's this one kid this one soldier who didn't want to be there he's trying to give him focus yeah and it's an accident also he's the least favorite character in new york undercover so he's expendable (laughs) (laughs) i've never watched new york undercover but all right i watched him when i was a teenager and then my final one, every single bad guy from Scooby-Doo. 
<laughs> Even Chumbawamba. They're, you mean because they're just trying to make a little money? Just trying they're to just trying to money. make money. Just they're just trying. Money. They're just trying yeah, to get ahead in business. They're just trying to make their way in Trump's America. Hey, they're, they, they're not hurting anybody. They're just putting on a costume and scaring people. They're not hurting anybody. They're just trying to get ahead in any way they can. That's true. They are not hurting anyone. That's true. Not in the original Scooby Doo run. They're not. Yeah. Hurting. So every bad guy in the Scooby Doo cartoon. Well, now wait a second. I got a question about this. So you're telling me. Uh, <laughs> create that robot to scare people off from your amusement park. But that amusement park's ran by mom and pop. They're going to lose their careers. Oh, but somebody. Hey, big corporations been doing it forever. Yeah. Well, no, I know, and they're they're not sympathetic villains. All right. So real quick, <laughs> I actually think if you're looking, I was kind of, I didn't know how much you all, I don't know how much of the backstory is the same or whatnot, but I actually feel like the Vulture from Spider Man. The new Spider-Man is a fairly sympathetic one. Uh, he's trying to make a living. Now, I think he becomes less sympathetic in the third act, of course. But, I mean, they kind of come in, take away. One of the other one is Gollum. But I don't know that I consider Gollum a villain. I, he has villainous traits. But I still don't. I still don't feel that Gollum is a villain. So I don't think it's correct. And I've never really that, considered him a villain. And well, he's on a lot of lists for sympathetic yeah. villains. And one that I think is completely dead ass wrong. So this is what I wanted instead of just giving a list of ones that I think that came up on several is Tony Soprano. Tony Soprano is a fucking villain. Okay. He's a monster. Tony Soprano, Tony Soprano could walk away. And you know who else is a villain? His wife. There's a great, and by the way, I love the Sopranos, love Tony Soprano. I love following a villain. He's a villain, just like Vic they Mackey. They are terrible, terrible like people. Terrible people. Vic Mackey in The Shield is a villain. Now, is there actually a redeemable character in any of the Sopranos other than the, no, even the psychiatrist is flawed? Uh, yeah, the, no, I don't, I, if you gave me a minute, uh, yeah, the, what's his face? He's played by, um, the brother-in-law, he ends up becoming Tony's brother-in-law. Slightly oh, sympathetic. Yeah, 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 yeah. He is. Okay, you're because right. Because he's not just as hardened as the rest of them. And Tony Soprano tortures him. Yes, he does, can. But what I was about to say, there's a great, and I don't remember which scene. I remember the scene where she goes to see the rabbi about Tony. Do you remember this, the wife? And I, I am going to say that she's a villain too, and anybody can she just is. yell at me. Because the rabbi breaks it down and goes, no, no, no. You leave him. You leave him. He's a, he's a gang. He's a murderer. You should take your children and leave, but no, just leave. He's a murderer and I'm not doing it justice, but I thought he, he just summed it up for you. You know what you're doing. You know what's going on. You're complicit for all of it. You are a villain. Uh, you mentioned, no, I don't I, understand I, even why. And they gave excuses. I don't believe any of them. I do not think Tony Soprano is besieged by fate. Tony Soprano, yes, is making a living the way he knows how, but he also knows it's wrong. Yes. And he All could right. step I don't know away. why. I, it just that one. I and didn't there's numerous, off, and there's the numerous actions that are absolutely he terrible that killed, don't have to be done. And he kills Christopher Maltesanti in the last season. Yeah. Sorry. But there's, what, there's, actually, there's sorry. a bunch. No, but there's well, one, scene, one scene that sticks out to me. He's having dinner with uh, his sister, her, her husband, and some, some other family members. And everything's going fine. And he just purposely destroys it for the sheer pleasure of watching everybody go nuts. And there's and not 
that happens a lot through the show. I know, but watching his face, there's nothing sympathetic about Tony Soprano. I don't know what this person, whoever wrote that is an idiot. It's on well, Collider, and there's several other ones, by the way. But, I was going to say that because that actually was going to be a question I was going to use to close out. Who is not a sympathetic villain? Tony Soprano, Darth Vader. I get you know, Darth one, Vader. One that I, I, I don't saw, know that there's sympathy. I, it's more yeah. of an understanding of wanting rule. Of, the Predator is not a sympathetic villain. <laughs> you know, actually, one that I saw on a couple lists where I was like, no, was actually Khan. And I love Star Trek. I love the Wrath of Khan. Khan is not a sympathetic character. No. He is an affable villain. But if you go back and watch Space Seed, everybody's like, well, he wants vengeance because he's left on a planet. Yeah, Kirk had to leave him on the planet because at one point he took over Earth. Yeah. And he's affable. He's likable. He is very human. And he even in the original series episode, Space Seed, you know, he's conniving and all of that stuff. But at the end, Kirk even says, we should come back and check on this planet sometime. I, it'll be interesting to see what society they create. Yeah, he's I don't affable, but he is a villain villain. He's not a good, yeah, no, he's not a good guy. The, the only one that came close that I thought might be believable, and I can't remember, it's not Koala, but it's the bad chimpanzee from the dawn uh, and the rise and the planet of the apes. Mm. I kind of understand that a little bit simply because he has been abused, mistreated, and once again, who's he looking out for? His people. People. Yeah. So, so James just asked that, and immediately, like I said, I thought Predator, Freddy Krueger. Freddy is third, not. The third pick in my head, the third one that came up, and I don't know why my brain went there, but it went obscure. Uh, in terms of not a sympathetic villain who's absolutely just evil incarnate, associate Milton Glenn played by Gary Oldman in Murder in the First. The associate warden of uh, Alcatraz who tortures Kevin Bacon. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen it. And then um, also uh, Ray Fiennes and Schindler's List. No, no, he is. No, he not. is not a sympathetic villain. That's on a list he, too. No, it's just no, but it's, it's a good one. It came to my head because you know, for example, like Liam Neeson, like Schindler actually tries to humanize him, saying we would be friends if there wasn't a war going on. Mm -hmm. He's a monster. Yeah, war or not war, he is a flat-out monster. There is no sympathizing with that character. They are so, friends. They are friends, and he, he even says he's a good guy. No, he's not. Yeah, I, but I think that's one of the things, too, and I think that's what's fascinating about all these discussions about villains is, yeah, not to sound cliche, but there's somebody's kid. There's somebody, and when you start yeah, to no, think about villains, true. you think about villains that way, you know, it's, it's – I, I actually used this example the other day, and I'm, I'm borrowing from Norm MacDonald. Norm Macdonald's special called Hitler's Dog, where he actually talks about, you know, Hitler had dogs, and those dogs probably loved Hitler. Yep. And he, and he does it from the dog's point of view, like, oh, Rommel, Rommel's okay. but if you, And it's true. If we think about, you know, if villains are real, and, and nobody thinks they're a villain, but if we think about it, even our fictional villains, if we put them, I mean, the only aspect about Khan that seems sympathetic is he loses his temper when his people start to get killed yep. in the wrath of Khan. When he realizes that uh, his assistant, uh, Joquim, uh, Joquim uh, is dead, I shall avenge thee. Mm -hmm. 
that's the only time he's even borderline. But even me. then, it's all back to vengeance. It's all back yeah. to, and, and it's all about sheer power. He wants Genesis because he wants to rule. It's. I agree with you. Khan is not a sympathetic. Khan is not villain. sympathetic. No, he's, he's a great villain. villain. He's a great much like Darth villain. Vader. Darth Vader is a great villain, but he's Agreed. not sympathetic. A completely agree. That's what I'm saying. A melodrama. They either have to be like so likable and horrible and I'm a villain and own it or they have to be sympathetic. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and you can, like I said, you can have affable and not be sympathetic. Khan is yeah. at best affable. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, I mean, you're absolutely right. He's probably charming, you know? Yeah. I mean, tequila if, and- if you watch space seed, I mean, they're, they, they go out of their way to help him. Matter of fact, he wakes up and he chokes McCoy in the sick bay and he takes the the scalpel from McCoy. And he holds it, throat, and McCoy's exact line is, "If you're gonna do it, you want to go about half an inch up. That way, you'll kill me quickly." Yeah. And it and then when it's over, he's like, "Yeah, I shouldn't have done that. My bad." McCoy's like, "Oh, water under the bridge, right?" Nobody. I mean, there's something about having charisma that makes a villain. We could have done best charismatic villains. That would be a different list. Yeah. Wiley Coyote would still be on that list. Well, he's a super genius. He's not charismatic, yeah, though. He is charming. Oh, oh have you oh, talked oh. to Wiley Coyote? He could charm the pants off you. He doesn't talk. It doesn't that's take the best much. Thing about I just Wiley. need somebody to touch me. <laughs> he, and that's the best thing about Wiley Coyote. He only talks in like three episodes, man. He's a very he's. It's going on up here, Joe. Yeah, it's going on up here. He ain't. He ain't. He ain't running his mouth. All right, I think we've beat Thinking. this. We've we've we're done flogging this deceased equine. So. Thank you, gentlemen, for another rousing episode of Is that a Bonehead Weekly? Yay! Tune in next week for whatever we run to the barn with. Grrrr. <laughs>